uh, what's your shtick for today, Will? Yeah. Uh, what have I got to do? Uh, yeah, I went swimming, to. but I told you that earlier and you didn't care. Yeah. Well, no, I do care, actually. Are you, are you, is this a new thing for you? Are you starting to swim? No, no, I swim a lot. I'm oh, very really? Good Look how lanky I am. I'm very good at swimming. Right. How so many, wait, is how lanky, many... lanky and swimming, is that a thing? How many lengths do you do? Well, today I only did 40, but I usually do about 50 or 60. Rookie numbers, man. Rookie, Rookie numbers. numbers. Yeah, okay, well, tell do me you about think... your swimming routine. <laughs> it is zero at the moment, Rookie. but I'm sure I can That is a rookie number, zero. <laughs> but in some ways, segue, swimming, you could say, would be a metaphor for filmmaking in many ways, you know? I don't know in what ways, but... But why don't you guess, Will? Why don't you guess how it could be a metaphor for filmmaking? I think, instead of guessing why filmmaking and swimming are good metaphors for each other, I think we it's should because... talk about our new guest. I think it's... Wait, let me finish the metaphor. Oh, it's because... Um, you know, you've just got to put one, you know, one arm in front of the other on that freestyle, on that front crawl, and sooner or later you get to your destination. Just like wow, filmmaking. Wow, my God, so deep. <laughs> um, so Sam Barron is our latest guest, and he is a writer, a director, and an actor. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Who's currently residing in the mountains in France, as oh, I told yes, you about, which is pretty yes. epic. Um, and he uh, won the Academy's Nickel Fellowship a few years ago. Ten uh, years his, ago. Ten years ago for the script The Science of Love, which is... Pretty amazing that we've had a nickel fellowship winner on. Yeah, on the so this is a really competitive, um, you know, thousands of submissions, and yeah, a really big deal, and it enabled Sam to work at really high level uh, in screenwriting um, in to Hollywood. this day. You know, Hollywood. Hollywood. Um, um, and he now works as a screenwriter professionally. Um, he's co-written the features Blue. Uh, the Girl with a Clock for a Heart for James Marsh and the BFI, and The Human Problem for Scott Z. Burns. And he also, which is well, the main thing that we're, we talk about in the podcast, wrote and directed a trilogy of short films that all star Amit Shah. Um, so The Orgy, Big Ears, and Tall, Dark, and Handsome, which are available for you online. And they're really, really, really worth a watch, especially before you uh, listen to the podcast, because we, we get into the weeds into the weeds. <laughs> All of his shorts in total have had like millions of hits online and have been, you know, featured on Vimeo, IndieWire and Short of the Week. And he's actually currently developing The Orgy, which is one of the films he made with Amit Shah as a TV series with Clerk and Well Films. Right, which is pretty sick. Yeah. Um, and I guess what we talk about, we talk about a lot in this podcast. Um, we get into get into the weeds, as I say, with uh, his process working with Amit and how he works with actors in general. Um, you know, talking about his visual style and how he adapts that per project, getting his films funded, the state of short films uh, in the current climate. Yeah, how everything. he directed, um, how, like, I guess, risky subject matter with the yeah, eulogy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Taking risks, you know, I guess, with your filmmaking as well is a big, big part of what we talk about. Yeah. Um, but yeah, such a fun episode and Sam is super generous and lovely. And I guess, you know, He's a super kind dude, and that really comes out in his yeah, filmmaking. Definitely. So you, you should really check out his films. And this is actually part one of two parts that we recorded with Sam. So we're going to be releasing this one this week, and then we'll be releasing the other one next week. Yeah, and that one is going to be specific to workshopping short film ideas. Yeah. So we're using Sam's expertise to help us with our short film ideas. So stay tuned for that as well. And enjoy. Let's get into it. Yeah, we thought we'd start off uh, just by asking about your relationship with Amit Shah, mm. who you've obviously done several short films with now, all terrific. Um, yeah, we wondered if you could maybe explain a bit about like how you guys came to meet and about yeah the dynamic that you have when it comes to these short films. Totally. So I didn't know Amit before we made The Orgy. Um, we had a casting director and 
Um, we offered the part to him just through his agent. I wrote him a letter, uh, which was sort of saying to him what I'd loved him in before, which was particularly a, a movie called The Infidel that he did, and also Phoebe Waller-Bridge's show Crashing. And I thought that his arc in Crashing was, was one of the most sort of uh, emotionally resonant parts of the show and that it had a real kind of curve to it. And by the end, there's this amazing scene uh, with him and the act he plays opposite in the hospital, which has a lot of like sort of emotional subtlety to it. And you really feel this character goes on a journey from being a more of a sort of figure of fun and a comedic sort of uh, tool in the arsenal to, to being this really deep and rounded character. Um, and I, I wrote to Emmett in this letter that I thought he had an amazing ability to say one thing out loud, but to let the audience glimpse what he's really thinking and mm, feeling on the inside. Yeah, so and, um, you know, the orgy is a story about a sex party made by me, a man. <laughs> and it was very important to me that I didn't have a kind of grotesque male gaze feeling to it. And Emmett is someone who the audience kind of can't help but sense his big heart and kind of see that he's coming from the right place. Um, and he's, you know, he wears his vulnerability on his sleeve. So I felt that those were really important traits for the character to have to take us out of that kind of American Pie territory and yeah. into this much more tender, um, sort of fragile exploration of uh, emotion and masculinity in that context. And so I just wrote to him, you know, and, and he responded to the letter, like, you know, I guess it um, landed for him. And, and we had a phone call and... I had a headache, but I like he, there was this window like you got to call Amit Shah at this time and whatever, and I was really nervous. And I had some paracetamol, and then we spoke for forty-five minutes, and really just kind of the reality is we get along. We we have quite similar backgrounds. We played quite similar roles in our family growing up, and you know, we we have a lot in common. So you know, I always think with casting. I mean, you guys know this, but like so much of the work happens in just choosing the right person. And ultimately, he was just the right person. And so that much was made clear when we spoke about it. And, you know, the more we got into the process of working together to prepare the performance before we shot it and so on, just we just were speaking the same language and we just got what this who this guy was meant to be. So the experience of working together was great. The process ultimately involved talking about a lot of real shit and kind of getting to know each other as people. So by the end of it, we were like, well, that was good. That can't, that, <laughs> that can't be the last thing we do. Um, and then we kind of got, we went down the road of trying to develop the audio as a TV series, which took my focus for a couple of years. And then um, the, when the pandemic happened and everything kind of ground to a halt, we were like, let's, let's make a short film. And uh, so then we did this one, Big Ears, which was written really for him and you know it's it's about his ears it's <laughs> we, we filmed it um in his family's shop and did uh, you just write that and then send it to him or did he have a hand at all and i wrote ideas, it, i wrote the first uh i actually wrote it as a outline first of all like the way they would do like a kerber enthusiasm episode or something just like scene by scene little short paragraph for each scene and sent that to him and the idea initially was oh let's do this kind of semi-improvised in that way and then the reality is that I mean Amit and I are both sort of perfectionists who really love like getting into the detail and so when he responded to the initial outline 
and we just kept talking about it we just kept having more and more ideas and of course you write the good ideas down and before you know it you've got a script yeah, and yeah. um so by the time we actually shot it it wasn't improvised it was it was very tightly scripted but um yeah and then tall dark and handsome which the third one which is coming out now is is uh he was actually really sort of a co-writer on the film we had the idea together and we developed the script very uh um very much as a as a duo um and yeah now we're trying to put together some longer form stuff including the orgy tv series which has come back to life again which is very exciting yeah, and a couple of other things this morning we had a new idea for a thing <laughs> together um so uh yeah he and basically what i've realized is you know he's one of those actors where i can write personal material and he doesn't have to contort himself into a completely different you know he just relates he, he just it. he just gets it yeah. you know when we're shooting this the argument scene in tall dark and handsome there was a point where everyone was pausing for a little relight and we were out in the corridor together and he was like, he was like sam the the lines in this scene every next line it's just what you would say isn't it <laughs> it's the next thing you would say and i was like i think that's because our minds work in a very similar way I mean, i'm not sure that everyone would say this line right, next but yeah. we just kind of you know yeah. We are quite similar, so yeah. I don't know if that answers your question, no, but um, yeah. Do you, how does it how does it translate to? So you're you're you you throw ideas around with each yeah. other. He's throwing ideas around. Then you actually go and type it out and write it out. And then how yeah. does that then translate when you're on set? And does he is the trust element there of you? You're taking the helm of the story. Yeah, and, absolutely. It's exactly what you described. I mean, the reality is we do so much preparation before we get to set. I'm not giving him very much direction on the day. I'm usually just going like, you know, that bit, you can, you can tone that down. We, we get it. We're seeing it. You know, the camera's reading it in your eyes or something. Yeah. Um, or, or going actually, you know, because we're quite wide on this, maybe give us a little more on that bit or whatever. So I'm, I'm, I'm really just dialing up the levels. Like minimal then. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Like, um, and that's, that's, that's evolved over time because we now know how to, um, how to prepare basically. Mm. Um, when we were doing Tall, Dark and Handsome, there was a moment we're shooting the opening shot of the film where he's staring down at this engagement ring box in his hand and it's quite tight on his face and we, you know, the, the, the framing was quite precise and he had this little strand of hair that fell down in front of his forehead and I didn't realise this but without sort of warning him i just i just reached into shot and just just took this strand of hair and, and just put it back on the top of his sort of you know quiff or whatever and he came up to me afterwards and he was like sam when you did that that was so intimate oh my God. <laughs> and i was like it was wasn't it but you know so that is that is the kind of relationship that we have now yeah. is that there is a deep trust between us and that yeah. wasn't you know when we shot the orgy we tried to get there in time for the shoot and we we just about did but now having done three mm. short films together and yeah. increasingly personal and whatever in, in the material yeah we, we 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 know each other very well i just i really like having those sort of real life friendships where you're also making stuff together yeah, yeah there just becomes a sort of a, a blending of you know or an infusion of of the personal into mm. The, you know the work I, I guess suppose. there's an honesty as well in terms of the collaboration of what's if maybe if you've written something and now it's I just don't believe it yeah. or the opposite yeah. way around 100% yeah. absolutely yeah. I mean you know he's the first one to call me if he doesn't you know to call me out if he if he doesn't believe something mm. and 
yeah, I mean, he, you know, Amit will, you know, he'll say to me, um, like, like for example, in, in the orgy, when uh, he's standing in the hallway and he's watching Alexandra Roach and Dustin Demery Burns kissing in the yeah. doorway, Brutal and then Ju- Juliet Cowan comes in and says, "Do you want a hand job?" And, <laughs> and, and he goes, "Um, okay." <laughs> and I think when it was scripted, it was like, "Um, sure." And and Amit called me up one day and he was like, "Where it says sure, I think I think it should be more okay." <laughs> and I was like. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I, think, okay. I think I was like, okay. okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 So you know, yeah. there's such precision, and like everything yeah. has to make sense to him. And and mm. when it does, like when it makes sense to him, it's going to make sense to the audience. And that's why he's able, you know, to go back to the letter I originally wrote him of, you know, like he has an ability to let the audience glimpse what's really going on with him. It's because it makes so much sense to him that, like you know, he's not having to force it. He's not having to push it. He's just, he knows that if it makes sense to him, the camera's going to be able to read it, yeah. you know? Do you find then um, when, so, you know, you've done all these films with him, mm. when you're working with the other actors that are in, mm. uh, like in the orgy, that you're having to adjust. So you're doing minimal, tiny things for Amit. And then how are you then adjusting your directing for, obviously every actor needs to be directed differently. Totally are different. you finding how, are you just, are you finding that on the day on set? Is Amit helping with that maybe? I don't know. I'm just um, it's, it's really like, I try and have a proper conversation with every actor before you get to set. Mm-hmm. So that, you know, you've had a chance to talk about a character, to talk about tone, you know, that's a big one. Um, and just to talk about, I guess, like core motivation, like where they're coming from. So then, you know, like take Alexandra Roach, for example, who, you know, I also absolutely adored working with now, you know, she's really strong as well on like, I just don't believe I'd do that. And so, you know, when, when they're coming in uh, to the final shot, when they're walking into the orgy and it's this bit like long, steady cam shot moving through the space, got to get them through the door down to the sofa and then she's going to kiss him. She's going to kiss Dustin. It's this long, you know, complicated thing. And I had some idea in my mind of how the shot was going to be choreographed. And when it came to shoot it, she was like, Sam, I don't get why I'd be doing, why I'd be moving in that way. And I was like, yeah, she's right. You know? So then you have to just adjust. Um, So yeah. But then like, like Dustin Demery Burns, for example, you know, he didn't want to overanalyze everything at a script level. He's very instinctive. And Quite so, similar to the character then in... Uh... Yeah, well, <laughs> exactly. And, but that's what I mean about casting correctly. Yeah, it's yeah. like, it's not like Amit is the guy in the orgy and Dustin is the guy in the orgy, but they have an access to that sort of energy, you know, which is natural and not forced. And I think it's also really important to say in terms of, you know, actors obviously audition for a million things. You're an actor, like you know, you get rejected from some audition. It feels like a rejection of you as a person. No, most of the time, you just weren't right for the role. Like if if Amit had auditioned for Dustin's role in the orgy, we wouldn't have cast him, even though you know he's one of my favorite actors in the world. So, you know, yeah, like you, you, I guess you do. You just you just adjust for what each person's needs are, and hopefully yeah you've had the chance to talk to them beforehand so you can actually just ask them how do you like to do it you know yeah, yeah it's yeah, not totally. guesswork it's just actually asking the question yeah and not being afraid to ask the question and that that conversation then is that usually all that happens or is it i mean in Amit's case i know you, you develop things a bit more but yeah um, do you ever have a rehearsal or anything like that or is it just we did on on tall dark and handsome we had um we had like a two or three hour rehearsal with Laura Aikman um, just in Amit's kitchen 
which was good, really helpful. And I think maybe I invited Ali, my DP, to come and sit in for that just so that he could start kind of just just looking and, you know, mm. noticing how things were shaping up and, and maybe, um, you know, like we, like the final scene in Tall, Dark and Handsome takes place in the doorway. So we just, you know, did that in the kitchen doorway. And, you know, I think Ali suggested something of like, well, actually, if you just shift this in this way, that'll open up these possibilities. And so then we'd get to try it out with the actors, see if that feels right um so yeah but I mean to be honest with you like although I like rehearsing what I really like doing is kind of getting it up on its feet start shooting and then like by take three or four it's really starting to kind of click and maybe take four or five you like get it you know mm. and then you've got it and then you can just That's move on fresh. it's mm. fresh yeah mm. like there's you know I think what I like in rehearsals actually is like talking about it all and going you know like like me yeah, and totally. Amit and Laura for Tall Dark and Handsome we you know we met up for a smoothie a couple of times oh. and just sat there with the iPad and went through the script and that's like in a busy cafe we're not like actually rehearsing the scenes but we're going what do you think that moment's really about and we're just mm. making sure that we all get it you know it's way more important I think than actually yeah. running the scene exactly know. exactly because yeah. you know the actors as you say it wants to be fresh it wants to you know you want to be surprising each other like again like as an actor you will be very well aware how important listening is and if people get burnt out on the dialogue then they're not really paying attention you know mm. and actually again one of the most important things I ever say to the actors as a director is like if we have done a few takes already and it's starting to feel like we're going through the motions just you know, whispering in their ear, maybe like, let's just remember on this one to really listen or really like, remember this is the first time we've ever said these words, that kind of thing. And just kind of bring people back to the present aliveness, you know. I'm intrigued by, um, it's like, that. we've talked a lot about the orgy and I'm just like, because yeah. it's such a bold film. It really <laughs> is. And it's like, I think a lot of people, they, they look at their shorts and they're like, okay, this is going to, I want to make this so I can make that, yeah. rather than making a bold choice and then going, yes, this is a bit rogue, but yes. I'm going to go and make it. I'm Were you nervous? Were you, was it, no, I'm just balls to the walls, I'm going to do it. And then I how was, did you, yeah, you know, was with so... all these naked people in the house, like how did you make everyone comfortable? Was there an intimate, you know, there's yeah. about seven questions there. but <laughs> No, they're good questions. I was extremely nervous. I mean, the reality is... I I made the film in 2017. If I'd had the idea in 2015, I wouldn't have made it. But in 2016, my mum died, and I it just um, it just destroyed something for me. It destroyed this need to like sort of protect how I was perceived or something. I was just like nothing matters. None, you know, it sent me into like a, a dark period. But I was just like nothing matters. And then coming out of 2016. I was like, I want to spend my life just like laughing with people and having a good time. I don't want to be like bummed out all the time. Um, of course, I had like many more dark periods after that. But but in 2017, when I had that idea, I was just like, screw it. You know, like, who cares? I'm going to make this film about a sex party. And not just is it a film about a sex party, but it's really a film about like the warring aspects of my own psyche. Like Amit and Dustin are just two halves of yeah. the like modern masculine condition represented, you know, externally which you know is just me writing about the warring sides of myself basically and dustin is like you know 90s lad culture run wild fhm magazine in the form <laughs> of a man you know with his yeah. shirt off and whatever and Amit is this like 
you know, uptight guy who just doesn't want to put a foot wrong and wants to make sure everyone's okay all around him and is afraid of his own like sexuality and desire and is afraid of his own body and, you know, all these things. Like, that's a very sort of exposing story to put on screen. But I was like, well, who cares? Like, I'm just, I'm just going to make it, you know? And the other thing that happened was, um, I used to work in development. I worked at Ealing Studios. And when I was there... I uh, one of the people I was working with was Phoebe Waller-Bridge. We were developing um, St. Trinian's Three. She oh, was writing. Right. She wow. wrote it. Really? Yeah, yeah. We worked on it together for years. Like, uh, wow, that's crazy. Mad. That you know, it never got made, obviously. But anyway, that was before Fleabag was, you know, a thing. And well, she was she was doing it on stage, but it, the TV show hadn't been made yet. And I remember while we were working together, like she got it set up at the BBC, and then um, obviously a couple of years later got to make it, and seeing it come out on screen, the TV show, I was like, God damn, she's preserved this like extremely vulnerable and precise sort of capturing of her own essence all the way from a tiny little show above a pub, you know, through Edinburgh, through yeah. development process, you know, for, with the BBC, etc., And it's made it all the way to screen. And she's not, you know, she hasn't sort of, you know, watered it down. It's, it's, it's her. And so I was like, I need to do that for myself. And it was out of that came the idea for the orgy. Because okay. it's just like, how do you, you know, yeah, how, how, do you, how do you make something which feels personal and which you're afraid to make and which you're afraid to invite your friends and family to the screening of because what, it, what they might think about you and, you know, sort of preserve that vulnerable kernel all the way you know from start to finish until it ends up on screen that was the agenda um and yet in terms of the the naked people it was extremely uh intimidating you know in 2017 i hadn't heard the word intimacy coordinator yeah, that came along a couple that, of years later yeah, yeah. and obviously if we were making it now yeah. you wouldn't like, of course you'd have an intimacy coordinator, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you so know? you were the intimacy coordinator, I guess. <laughs> well, yeah. And, and you know, I, the way I did it was I just, again, you know, with every actor, especially the actors who had anything, you know, intimate needing to be done, I just said to them, we're doing these scenes and this is how we're going to do them. Like, how, how do you feel about that? Is there anything you need? Can we, you know, I, I tried to make it really just like, really open and really non-scary for them to ask for, you know, adjustments to the process, basically. Mm. I don't know if we got it right. You know, I, we certainly, I'm, I'm still, you know, very close with everyone we made the film with. And, you know, um, I think everyone sort of, yeah, felt good about the process ultimately, but God, looking back, I'm like, <laughs> you would, you know, if I was shooting the orgy right now, and I was telling yeah. you guys, no, we're not going to have an intimacy call. <laughs> You'd be like calling the police, you know? What yeah. is this man doing? I think I'd be most nervous about oh the extras. Yeah. I mean, yeah. like, you know, with the act, you know, the actors, you, you have a time with them and you can be a bit more, you, you yeah. can get in a relationship and you'd be like, this is one thing, are you okay with that? But with those guys, you have less time with them, presumably. Yeah. And then you yeah. just be like, I mean, the shot I'm thinking of is like the right at the end where yeah. there's the woman on top of a man having sex. With, and I was thinking, how has Sam directed this moment? Like, yes. How did that happen, you know? Yes. How do you logistically <laughs> yes. do that? How do you do well, that? Well, there's, the there's two stories about that. Um, I think I can only tell one of them. <laughs> oh, no. uh, but the one I can tell is that that couple, they were on a first date. No way. Yeah. Like, 
she invited him as a date. Do you want to oh. come and be an extra in this movie with me? Did she tell him what it was about? Yeah, no and he showed way. up. He was he was such a good sport. But like you know, within a few minutes of his him arriving, the costume designer is giving him like a little sock to put over his willy. <laughs> and you know, and I think I did go up to him and I was like, you know, are you okay? Like, are you you know, yeah. you still want to do this or whatever? But you know, they, I think they had a they had a great time. And then still together. Well, or? so I I bumped into her uh, a while after we finished the film, and I I asked that question, and she said they went on a second date, uh, but it was a bit underwhelming after the first <laughs> date, and I don't I don't think there was any more life in the relationship after that. Okay, now yeah, I guess yeah. you know everybody knew what they were signing up for. You well, know? that's it. You know, you just try to, and it's you know obviously an orgy, a sex party scene, etc. is is the most like extreme version of that but with anything that's what you try and do right you're, you're, you're trying to just communicate with people clearly and effectively what you're actually trying to do you know it's yeah. like you know like if i'm making uh, like big ears for example is like a very tender intimate you know sort of character study really if i lie to people and say this is going to be a ball to the wall comedy this is basically like you know adam sandler whatever and then i'm not doing that then that's it's not fair on anyone so whatever it is you're doing if it's a big sex party scene or if it's you know just a a delicate tone that you're trying to create i think you just have to communicate that intention to every single person who's involved and just be like do you want in on that like does that sound good to you if so we'd love to have you if not, not, like, cool. Yeah. Like, better to go our separate ways, you yeah. know. Specifically, did you say, um, this is exactly what I want. I want you to be standing up against the wall and you're going to be in this position. Did you have, like, a, almost like a document outlining that um, before? Because I, I think that's probably what I would do. That is definitely what you would do. Yeah. I'd be like, this is exactly <laughs> what I want. Well, the it. funny thing was, you know, and it's a testament to what different collaborators bring to it, but, like, when I imagined that scene, and when we went on the recce, the couch was up against the window. So I was oh, yeah, like, yeah. all right, that's where a couch would be. We're in a living room right now. There's a couch up against the window, the window <laughs> you know? And the production designer was like, what if we move that couch 10 feet into the room? Yeah, I was like, yeah. initially I was like, what? Why would you do that? You know, like no one puts a couch there. And then we looked at it and we, we did it and we framed it up and everything. And it looks amazing. It's this tableau and you have all this depth to the image and, you know, and if you it really makes look, that last shot so awesome. Yeah, as yeah well. it's like the Last Supper gone wild yeah, or whatever. But yeah. it's it's like if you think about it, what's going on on the other half of the room? It doesn't really make sense. Why is everyone this way? But it sort of implies okay, there's probably other stuff going on, you yeah. know, out of shot. But yeah, so as soon as she'd suggested that, I was like, all right, well, I guess we've got to populate the background, mm. and you don't want everyone to just be doing the same thing. So you want to have some people seated, some people standing, you know, but you also want the shot to feel balanced. So it doesn't feel like asymmetrical or whatever. So you just end up kind of placing people until it looks right. Right. And, you know, yeah. yeah. yeah, I mean, same with like, you know, we have this Christmas day scene and tall, dark and handsome. And it's, it's, it's another sort of big wide tableau. And you just, you just kind of like arrange people and you go, okay, let's have another look at the monitor. Uh, It looks a bit, heavy on the right or it looks you know yeah. oh that looks too forced let's rough it up a little bit or you know mm-hmm. whatever until you kind of go yeah all right or until you've run out of time and you just have to shoot because it's got to be lunch you know it, so- it sounds like um you're quite uh free-flowing and want to be mm. in the moment when you're on set and that's how you work out because so i was really curious uh, both of us anyway about like how you like the style in which you shoot some of your films mm. it's all dark and handsome sticks you know it's it seems very particular and then you know the orgy for example or big ears yeah quite a handheld feel like when are you 
finding that is it when you're writing is it when the dp comes on is it the mm. blocking like well um the orgy i'd seen tony erdman and i really like some of the long handheld mm. kind of wider shots in tony erdman um and then also paired with this kind of sense of um like intimate close-ups and really like filming people's eyes and then cutting to what they're looking at and that as a way to kind of access the inner life so i was really into that and then but then after we did the orgy and released it a lot of people were like love all the long takes like i guess that's your style like and mm. I, you know i was trying to get this feature made and everyone was like so you're going to shoot it all like long unbroken takes are you and i was like well hold on i don't want to be bound up in that like, box forever like thing, that was just yeah. what i chose to do for the orgy so then when we did big ears i was like right i'm going to do very few long unbroken shots like that it'll all be much more like mm. you know um kind of composed singles and that kind of thing still in the handheld way that you're describing and then with tall dark and handsome um i guess like because it's got this kind of psychological paranoia to it we wanted to lean into the sort of slightly genre visual language of conspiracy thrillers and psychological horror and stuff which means having certain shots where you know you've got like like a slow zoom in and this kind of thing which that then tells you okay if we're gonna do a few moments like that or like um when when he walks into the living room in the fourth scene and she says i fancy i kind of fancy an indian and the focus pulls to him in the background yeah. well in order to pull off that focus pull you really need the camera on stick so that so the only thing that moves in the shot yeah. is the attentional field so as soon as you know you're doing a few shots like that that's telling you okay we're in a slightly more composed story and you go okay well if we're in a composed story how can we like keep that interesting how can we like vary that across the thing so the opening um well the 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 um opening opening is is a tight shot on him but the first main scene in the park we're on a steady cam and we're moving with them because we want it to feel very like sort of smooth and like things are good between them and sh they're sharing the frame they're connected and what that allows is that at the end of that scene when he realizes that uh he's not the first indian boyfriend she's had the steady cam kind of gently moves around and pushes in on him and it, it evolves from being this connected sort of romantic stroll through the park uh to this kind of much more psychologically interior uh shot by the end um and and then yeah a lot of the sort of um rapid escalation that happens as he's kind of going down into this spiral of insecurity we're in yeah these composed locked off shots because also we're rattling so fast through time if it's too haphazard in in the camera work it's almost like you're not getting the key piece of information you just need to be so efficient with the delivery of information so that people can get the setup the joke the escalation in terms of the emotional story and so on but then about halfway through the film uh after the dinner party scene they're going upstairs and they end up having this big mm. argument that goes handheld right that goes handheld mm. we shift to the easy rig yeah. um which i love the easy rig is beautiful yeah. piece of kit and you know you get the like the sort of the fluidity that you get with a steady cam but it has this sort of this little wobble to it so it has the feeling of like real life and naturalism and whatever and um you know it forces the focus puller to be on their toes to keep everything like sharp but even if they're missing a moment it has the feeling of being untethered and like okay this is really unfolding you know and then yeah we go back to um to the more composed shots for the christmas scene and then we go back to the steady cam for uh, the final scene um and, and we sort of uh we're mirroring the opening basically but now he's without her and now it's feeling disconnected um so yeah that you know i guess 
what, why was I doing that? It was to challenge myself to use new techniques. And it was informed by, as I said, just the, the sort of the core visual ideas of these, you know, slightly genre leaning, like psychological paranoia pieces, kind of then informing each other decision that you're making because yeah, yeah. things exist in contrast to each other. I'm mean, I, I really fascinated by all this. Like, yeah. Like how did did you come up with the kernel of how you would shoot that then, based on the script and the material? And then, you know, when you got your DP on, yeah. Did they then throw some ideas in? Did the I don't know, like, then did the blocking maybe inform? Like, when you switched to easy rig, was it the blocking between the actors that informed that, or yeah. was it all just in your head? No, this is how I want to it to feel in this scene. Or, well, feel's a good word yeah. because feel is different to knowing exactly how you're going to pull it off. Right? Yeah, yeah. So, like the when she says I fa fancy, kind of fancy an Indian, and or I really fancy an Indian, and we do the focus pull to him in the background. Like I knew that was how I would shoot that moment from the very first time I wrote it in the script. You mm, know, interesting. That was just that was part of the idea that came was like, okay, yeah. boom, we'll pull focus to him, and that will be like a comedic focus pull. Um, but that also like is paired with a sound effect of a little dum. Yeah, and it has yeah. this, you know. Mm. Um, it's a very so funny moment as well. It's, like, yeah, yeah. Really and is. it really kind of sums up the comedy of the whole yeah, idea, you yeah. know. And so, you know, that idea was was present. But but as you say, like, yeah, you, you know, I shared the script very early on with my DP who I'd worked with on a number of films previously. And as soon as I communicate that to him, he's going, yeah, well, then, you know, what we could do is in the park scene, we could really isolate him in the frame and push in on him and so on. So then, you know, when we're doing that and then we're doing the Christmas Day scene and and it's sort of this like paranoid crescendo of like, what have I got myself in for? And then we're going, okay, this is the end of the movie. So let's really like push it to a genre extreme. And when we do this kind of low angle uh, shot on him that has this kind of, um, uh, yeah, really it almost feels like a shot from a Western or something, yeah. but you know, as, as everything's closing in on him and this claustrophobia and so on. So yeah, I, it's not like, um, I do like to be in the flow and, and to have ideas, you know, in the moment. I also like to have, you know, to be prepared. And you just kind of, I think you just have to adjust to like, what what does it actually look and feel like when you see it in front of you on the monitor, you know? Yeah. And if, if it's not working, don't stick to your idea, change it, look for something new, yeah. you know? That film feels like, um, it was so, it, it feels very premeditated in a way <laughs> that Big Ears feels like, more loose and haphazard, yes. like all the reasons why you just said, yes, because it's appropriate for the story. But were, were there any moments in Tall, Dark, and Handsome where you like ch changed stuff on the day? Oh my god, I mean, really, the uh, first scene we shot was the last scene of the movie with the uh, the young baby, mm. and we had to shoot it first because Amit has some stubble, uh, and then he had to go and shave uh, after that yeah, so that we could yeah. do the passage of time. And um, the baby just like wouldn't stop crying. Right. And it was meant to be a happy that baby would... in the scene. It was scripted as a happy baby <laughs> oh, yeah. because then it's like the emotional stakes of everything he's lost and so oh, on. Man. And the baby just wouldn't stop crying. And I was like, works, you know, I've got yeah. like 20, 25 people standing around trying to shoot this scene and we've got to finish this by one o'clock so that we can go have lunch so that we can get to the park to shoot the afternoon before the light goes down because we're shooting in December and the light goes down early. Yeah. And I'm going, we're not going to, we're not going to make this scene. What are we going to do? And so on the fly, you have to go, right, let's just rewrite it it's now a crying baby <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. you know let's deal with that and then you know there was this one uh, take that is the final shot of the movie when she hands him the baby and literally you know the baby's supposed to like be happy 
the baby does the most like ridiculous wail yeah. and a and a perfect tear rolls down its cheek <laughs> like it's like you know like it's trying to get an oscar yeah. and, I, and i you know i should have called cut because the the cry had ruined the shot in quotes but i kept it rolling and i was like when i did call cut i was like i think that's the final shot of the film mm. and then that tells you okay let's finish shooting this film let's finish shooting this scene with that as our like new goal new target yeah. you know so yeah, stuff like that all the time. Mm-hmm. I mean, the other one was um, we're shooting the the dinner party uh, thing with, with um, where his parents come over, and Laura Aikman and Sh- Shobu Kapoor knew each other already, and Amit and Bhaskar Patel knew each other already. So there was a lot of history in the four of them sitting around the table. Mm. So between you know takes, they would just be chattering away and you know catching up and being silly and making each other laugh and whatever. And at a certain point, me and Ali Little, the DP, we just looked at each other and we were like, we, we didn't say anything. We just kind of like had a little silent nod and we stopped calling action and cut and we just started moving the camera into its next position. And Laura, who had the first line of the scene, she kind of got what we were doing and was just like, let's just stay in this vibe. And Laura would just kind of start the scene whenever it felt right. And then we'd kind of, they'd do it and then they'd go back into chatting. And you know, we, we did that for probably hour, hour and a half, just moving the camera, inching it around the table, getting everyone's shots. And by the time we finished, I was just like, that was the most fun process I've yeah. ever had, you know? Yeah. And the editor, Ian Robertson, grabbed little moments of improvised chatting that they were doing and used them at the beginning and end of the scene oh, right. as part of creating the, yeah, yeah. the vibe. The vibe, yeah, yeah exactly, yeah. yeah. I feel like sometimes it... it if um it's like shouting action can kind of ruin the atmosphere yeah um, you know when you're when you're acting if you're acting it could make but maybe it snaps you into gear but maybe also it kind of it's quite an intense thing yeah yeah. i'm acting yeah yeah exactly it's like don't act don't act now (laughs) act yeah yeah yeah. Yeah. a bit much you know yeah yeah i think um i heard simon amstel he doesn't say action he just says when you're ready yeah and i've taken on to doing that but he's brilliant actually yeah he's so oh i love him benjamin blew me away incredible i haven't seen that no it's so good yeah Yeah, yeah, it is. I, th- I think it is uh, good just when you're ready. Or like Bradley yeah. Cooper's Maestro, he was he went to this talk oh, yeah. and he was like, because he but he is the character in it, so it's a bit <laughs> different. But he would just do he would do what you were doing, but he'd be in the, and he'd go in and he'd start talking to them, and then he would just like signal to the camera up and the sound recorders, and then they would just start. Can I doing just say, it. Maestro is so much better than it had any right to be. Yeah. Like when when yeah. my girlfriend was like, "Do you want to watch Maestro?" I was like. Yeah, I kind of, I, I feel like I know what it's going to be, but sure, you know. And it was really good. Yeah, the directing in that I movie really is enjoyed it. properly, it's like... proper bold, I thought. And super bold. He just bold. held these takes for, like... He ho- yeah, amazing. but then he's also, like, super bombastic when it's, you yeah. know, other moments. Like, he's, he's really, you know, and, and just the way that it moves through the decades and sort of just very subtly adjusts yeah, its so visual impressive. style to kind of match the decade that it's in, but without being like, hey, look, it's a reference to this movie and, you yeah. know, like, wink, wink to the audience. It's, yeah, so impressive. And the way that it was also, like, it's really just a relationship story. So his career ascension is sort of incidental to the plot yeah. of the movie. It's really yeah. just how do these two people feel each- about each other at different points. Yeah. I couldn't believe it. I was like, you know, yeah. wow. But he, the thing, he had like six years preparing that film, you know. Yeah. And I'm like, ah, I wish. But it's still bold, and I, I which was really cool. But it's, I found it yeah. so fascinating like, how he would direct a scene. It's like, how do you just... Don't make it action cut. Right, right, like, right, right. How right. does this naturally, you know, yeah, like well, you saying about the dinner party scene, just like how do we naturally get what we need out of it? You know, exactly, really because awesome. ultimately, you know, 
you're dealing with people you know yeah. like yes someone is your director of photography or your gaffer or whatever but also they're a person and, and yeah. the actors they're just people and so you really have to like take the temperature of like where's everybody at okay yeah. you know unfortunately the the lunch was like quite a heavy lunch or whatever that, you know on some days so everyone's a bit sleepy now so mm. how do we get people i mean god when we did the big orgy scene in, in, in the orgy after lunch my yeah we did it right after lunch and my girlfriend and her mum did the catering and I didn't think to like coordinate with them about what the meal was going to be and they made a, a really big like spicy Thai curry oh. and it was like the hottest day in July <laughs> wow. and so everyone had just had this really heavy spicy Thai curry and now it's like right take your clothes off and like, <laughs> like you don't think until you've yeah, made that mistake fuck. once. Okay, let's <laughs> actually again. look at the like when. what we're doing on the meal plan to see yeah. how that's going to affect people. You know, it is amazing, isn't it? All the tiny little things because you are creating mm. yeah. a family kind of atmosphere and like mm. how do you get people into the mood to yeah. perform at their best in whatever role they're in? It's mm. it's totally. your job, isn't it? Like, well, do you know what else it makes me think about? I'm just thinking about your, your question about like everything's very composed or whatever, but I was talking to a friend of mine who just directed his first short film on the weekend and he was like saying in, in the days leading up to it, it's like any, you know, any tips kind of thing. And one thing I said to him, which I think is really true, and I, I never really heard it said before, but I'm sure you guys will relate, is like you get to the set the first day, you've obviously spoken to everyone in advance, you've been on the recce, you know, like, okay, it's this it's this room or this you know location this camera these people this these costumes everything and then you know they're framing up the first shot and you look at the monitor and and someone says to you you know ad or whatever says to you okay you happy should we go for it and you look at it and it doesn't quite look like what you imagined mm. it looks a bit different and then you're you're looking at the little clock in the right hand corner going yeah. okay okay well it's not totally what i imagined but then you do a quick mental checklist all right is it you know can we see the character's eyes when we yeah. need to can we like understand the key piece of information in the frame is it implying the right feeling is the lighting too cheesy or not you know yeah. not whatever bright enough or whatever okay i i think it's close enough that it can work and then you yeah. shoot it because you have to or you make some quick last minute adjustments and then once you've done that shot you have to do the next shot and you have to make it add up to that shot. And yeah. if you weren't 100% happy with that shot, you can try and correct a bit in the next shot, but still you're adding pieces to, to the first puzzle piece that you captured. And by the end, it feels like, well, of course, it was always going to look like this and feel like this yeah. or whatever. But it's like you have to hold on to the abstract, like, sort of needs for the shot rather than the exact pixel by pixel, yeah. like it's going to look only like this and if it doesn't well i'm gonna flounce away you yeah. know like it's a it's an interesting internal battle that you have to go through of going does it meet enough of the requirements that i'm that i can embrace what i'm yeah. seeing in front of me and how important is it so what other shots do i need to get yes but it's a really when there's like 30 people around you yeah it's a really ballsy you've got and but if you really don't like it you have to just say you have I to don't say don't like it yeah yeah yeah. you have to yeah, yeah. that's the thing I, and that's the other thing i said to my friend as i was like you know be aware that every extra take you're doing in the morning you're stealing something from the afternoon yeah. but also if you haven't got it yet don't move on yeah you know? you, the temptation is just to survive yeah on the day. It's like, yeah, oh, yeah yeah we're here we've got to get through because otherwise we'll be late for lunch That's yeah, exactly yeah, yeah. what you're saying but yeah. it's like yeah i find that the hardest part is is to be so like hard. strict with yourself like yeah no we've got to get this right yeah. you know 
Um, I thought maybe now a good time to like move on to yes. I suppose the more like logistical elements behind sure. short films. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess like we all curious like you know in the director's take podcast, which is a great, brilliant podcast. Um, you talked a bit about um, y- your Hollywood money. So from the past, like you've made <laughs> what, a lot of what money. a horrible phrase! <laughs> I'm going to label the podcast episode <laughs> Hollywood, Hollywood money. How, money. To, how to get your Hollywood money? <laughs> oh God, please! <laughs> yeah. I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, <laughs> we know it was tongue in cheek, but yes. like um, you, that was kind of how how you started funding those initial shorts. Yeah. But like nowadays, with like, I think you mentioned the podcast as well that that you you spent that money on those short yeah. films. So like, how are you managing to like, yeah, fund fund your shorts basically? Um, well, the reality is I haven't funded any more since that money ran out. Oh, really? So yeah. That's so that the, the last the, the last uh, of that money went into making Tall Dark and Handsome, um, and um, then uh, since then I directed one more Office Royale, but I didn't mm. finance it. Um, that that money was raised by the writer and but writers and the producer. And we did a crowdfunding campaign as well. So, um, yeah, I yeah. I haven't I haven't got a magical solution to it. Basically, yeah. um, <laughs> sorry. No, I mean, yeah, I just suppose... go out and get Hollywood money. That's a <laughs> Hollywood money. Yeah, but it's, I guess because yeah. a, a lot of your and we were talking about this earlier as well uh, that you know uh, Big Ears is in two locations, yes. in a shop mm. and in the house, and then Office Royale is in an office. Yes, you know, and then uh, Tall, Dark, and Handsome against two locations. It's, all, it's a house and a park. Yeah, yeah. I guess it's like would that be the advice you'd give us? Like hundred percent simple. Keep it simple. Characters in rooms talking to each other and yeah. make those rooms rooms that you already have, and yeah, hopefully yeah. the characters can be played by people who are within reach of you as whatever level filmmaker you are whether that's your best friend or the actor who you know through your friend or whatever Mm -hmm. um so yeah i you know it's funny i made a bunch of short films in the pandemic and you know the yeah the budgets ranged tremendously um office royale was the most expensive of all of them um the cheapest one we did was fragile package which was 1200 pounds and that was just two characters in the living room Mm. um and then after I was more expensive because we had stunts and guns and um, yeah, just just a lot more like difficult pieces. And, you know, that was the first thing I said to the writers when they sent me the script. I was like, this is a great script, but how are we going to make it? Mm. You know, and they, they sent it to me, I think in 2021, maybe. I think like summer 2021 or something. Yeah. And we didn't shoot it until 2023 because those two years we just spent going... But, but how are we going to make it? <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. I'm not going to ask some actors to throw themselves about unless we've got safety mats and we've got, you know, a medic on set and all this kind of thing, which means that the budget just is what it is. Yeah. And then, yeah, they, they you know, went out and cobbled it together and it took a long time. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it's tricky. It's very tricky. Mm. But I think that the, the ultimate point is what you're saying. It's basically just going how patient can you be in terms of how long you're going to sit around waiting to try and raise the money? If you want to make something now, now, then you just have to go. My resources are X, my contacts are Y, so we can make film Z, you know, and that is the equation. Yeah, look at what you've got. Look at what you've got. I think Greta Gerwig says filmmaking is art against the clock. You know, it is. It's, 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 uh, It's not a sort of perfectionist's realm, even though it purports to be. It's, it's, we're going to bring these people together to try to do this thing within the constraints that we are working against. Yeah. And we're going to, you know, take that Phoebe Waller-Bridge kernel and just hold on to it and just like 
you know, blow on that ember and keep it alight all the way to the finish line. And if we succeed at that, the audience will care and will like the film. Yeah. And mm. if the ember dies because we've put our attention too much on other things, it doesn't matter whether yeah. the trees in the background look great. Mm. The audience has switched off. Doesn't matter, yeah. 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 It's um what is it, Werner Herzog good talking about I love listening to little like sound bites. Oh, me too. Yeah. He's so great. Um but his <laughs> whole thing is like, I have made compromises every day. You know, he's like he's like, I make twenty compromises a day on right. a film set, you know, and he's like, but it ends up better than I had imagined in my head if you like totally. have this shot, this shot, this shot, this shot, this shot. It's not gonna happen like that. Because totally. well, there's so many people involved. <laughs> I heard I heard him talking about like, you know, if as the director, if you've not gone through every single line of the budget with the producer, mm. then you are outsourcing creative decisions to someone outside yeah. yourself. Yeah. And, you know, mm. that's something you can do in pre-production is to sit down and go, hold on, that pound spent there is better spent there. Yeah. You know? And yeah. I, I've seen it. Um, you know, My girlfriend does a lot of TV directing. And like, you know, when she was doing her um, her own series, she turned up to set one day and discovered that £10,000 had been spent on this thing, not that thing. And it was a big immediate learning curve. It's just like, okay, right, we need to pay strict attention to where this money is going. You know, because that has an immediate impact and you can't reshoot that day. You know, Mm. you're moving on. Mm. Yeah, you've just got to be fingers and everything. And whether that's a series, you know, big series or whether that's a short film, you've got to know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, another question, sort of, I guess, in that vein. Um, so what, what is it that you do on a day-to-day basis these days? Are you writing? <laughs> are you still writing? Living in the mountains. Like, Justify yeah, like, my existence. You, yeah, yeah. What, what are you up to? What yeah. am I up to? I basically, yeah, I left London about a year and a half ago, and I have been spending a lot of time uh, in a tiny village in the French mountains. Right, right. Um, and basically trying to just keep my overheads low. Mm. And, you know... Uh, just maximize the amount of time I have to write and mm. to, yeah, just kind of generate material basically. Yeah, right. Um, so, you know, specifically in the last year, I've, I wrote a draft of a feature film with my partner that, um, we were very lucky to get paid to develop. And, uh, then I've also been working a lot on the orgy TV series, which we've got a new production company and now, a new broadcaster has just come on board as well. So like developing that and pitching that took up most of the last year. Yeah. And yeah, that's really sort of exciting again now, which is very cool. Um, but yeah, essentially like what I'm doing every day is I'm going what most needs my attention. So, mm. you know, I was going to be making a short film actually right now um, in uh January and then uh, things started really heating up with the orgy series so I had to be like okay actually we can't make that short film I've got to just give this my all and you know see this process through maybe we'll make that short film later in the year mm. maybe it won't ever get made that's mm. fine you know so yeah I'm, I'm basically I guess I'm just always going what is within my power to generate um, whether that's a new script or a new short film or whatever, what's what's within reach and achievable, um, what's exciting me creatively and trying to have enough time to work on that stuff, although that's not always possible, mm. um, what's going to pay for my life, uh, which has historically meant doing sort of more job-job-like, you know, projects. Um, luckily at the moment, I'm 
getting paid to do the stuff that is passion projects so yeah, yeah, that's, that's amazing but you know yeah, that's not dream, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah i mean i don't take that for granted it's like it's, it's amazing that that's the case right now and i'm mm. just trying to whilst that's happening just put everything into that yeah. and just hopefully see that through um but yeah i guess it's just always adjusting like i i, I tend to notice a pattern where like in january and in september i tend to just go like how am I doing financially? Like, am I going to be all right for the next little period of time? And if I'm feeling a bit squeezed, I go, okay, I better like put all my priority into getting my next paycheck. Mm. And the funny thing with script development is you get these like lump sums that then you have to just eke out. So it's really on you as to how quickly you spend that money which is partly my motivation for leaving London and living in a tiny village in the mountains and, mm. you know, trying to make that money last as long as I can. Um, but yeah, it's, yeah, it's, I guess it's just like making sure that I can cover what I need to cover. If, you know, in the case of like, you know, when I've, when I've had that quote unquote Hollywood money, like if I can put some of that aside and keep my personal costs low so that I can put some of that money into making, you know, big ears or whatever. Great. Um, but yeah, that's not always possible. Have you, have you found taking a step out? So like living in the mountains now, yeah. taking a step out of like, <laughs> like in London, it's like survival, survival, right? Yeah. And you've got to pay rent and you, you know, it's, it's a fun city. So you want to do things, you know, stuff 100%. going on all the time. And, have you have you found taking taking yourself out of that has that maybe influenced your writing in, in a certain way or like your your process? Yeah, have you it has. Been writing different material has it been? Um, I think I was gravitating in this direction anyway, even when I was still in London. But like, it does just make me go, I'm just gonna do stuff that I really care about, mm. and you know, just taking that survival element down in the mix just kind of creates. Yeah, the opportunity to go, like, what's pouring out of me today? You know, yeah. like, a couple of weeks ago, I was meant to be working on this other thing, uh, this rewrite of a, a feature film draft, you know, it was like a Tuesday. But then I went for my walk around the mountain, like, village in the morning, and I had this idea for a short film. So I just wrote it, and you know, in the morning until lunch. And then in the, after lunch, I had to get back to the thing I was meant to be doing. But, like to be able to have that time where you can actually just do that. And that's, I don't know if I'll make that short film or not, but it was good. It was, it was, it's an exercise. It's an exercise. It was creatively invigorating to have let that pour out of me. And it probably made the afternoons work better. Mm. So just to like take, you know, the pressure off a little bit has probably been the main thing. And then, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I like, it's quite funny talking about it because to say I've been like, you know, living in this village in the mountains, it sounds all very kind of mystical and like romantic, romantic yeah, and whatever. It sounds so good. I mean, the reality <laughs> is I haven't had a kitchen sink for the last eight months. I've been <laughs> filling the kettle up in the bathroom. It's been really cold in the winter. Right. Like it's not, you know, it's not actually a particularly sort of glamorous life. But what it is, is... It's Rocky Four montage. <laughs> <laughs> I try to live my whole life as if it's the Rocky Four. Yeah. <laughs> it's literally yeah. consistently the soundtrack. Yeah, yeah, really. yeah, exactly. Just to stay warm. Yeah. It's just a lot yeah. of shadow. Morning boxing. walks are actually run. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so I don't know. I'm, I'm wary of presenting presenting it as like some sort of magical solution it's it's definitely not that it's, it's more just like 
I just got to a point in London where I was just, I mean, I'd, I'd lived in London for 15 years and I just, mm. for my own sanity, I needed a change of pace and, you know, I just, I just wanted to experience something different. Mm. And there's been lots of positives to that. There's also been negatives of, you know, you, you do feel far away from things and whatever. Luckily, because like I've made these short films in the last few years, which have been kind of touring around festivals and stuff, which meant I felt quite connected to the UK film industry, even if I've not been able to attend most of the festivals yeah. and stuff like that. But yeah, and maybe I've kind of been able to trick people a bit that I'm still living in London. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's funny. I I definitely don't feel like I have the solution to mm. my life or the, or how to make it work mm. long term. But I. Uh, it's been it's been good. I've been I've been really enjoying the mm. creative process. Yeah, I think it's so like uh, I don't know, so important to talk about how people are making it work on a day to day basis. <sighs> I because know. I feel like you know I feel a lot of time when I listen to podcasts, I'm like, but wait, how are you actually managing to survive? Yeah, oh, yeah totally. and um, I don't know, like yeah, with you, you know, we'll go into this in the introduction of the podcast. So yeah, listeners have context, but you've you you're a writer yes that's how you that's how you make ends meet as well yes and exactly so you, can, you can use both of those those le- you know that that skill set as well as making your films to make it work exactly exactly um, but it is it's funny because when i look back at it like if i look year on year like how have i actually survived each year yeah it's so random like you know some <laughs> writing job yeah. came along at just the right moment that gave me the paycheck i needed to be able yeah. to then fund big ears and tall dark and handsome and if that job hadn't come along just those films wouldn't exist and i wouldn't mm. have made a trilogy with amit shah i would have made one film with amit shah and you know like yeah. it's just it's so hard to predict when those things are going to happen and how things will ignite or whatever but I think that's also what I've been trying to like focus on is just what can I control? What I can control is just like my creative process, like keeping my like kind of energy and interest in it good so mm. that when opportunities come along, hopefully I can embrace them and um, yeah, yeah. Be, like kind of be the kind of person that people want to work with because I'm not like sort of falling apart at the seams but I have I have had those periods of falling apart at the seams and mm. also sometimes out of those periods come good art good art I mean Big yeah. Is is kind of about that feeling of like everything in your life is falling apart mm. and you don't know how you're gonna everyone else is doing really well everyone else is doing really yeah. well and yeah. you know you you just feel like life is just shitting on you all the time and yeah. you know it's like and yeah can you turn that feeling into the next short film basically mm. you know it's it's um it's kind of mad to me there's not I, I i being an artist there is no path but like you know if you're writing and directing you, mm. you are you are you, and you're wanting to add to like culture like the british culture in a way and it used to be like the bbc would have like you made direct <laughs> like little tiny little things for them we, we we went to listen to james horse who did um he just directed one life and he did slow horses and stuff He's like he got his start making tiny things for the BBC. Yeah, and he got. His, but there's nothing really like uh, you, that. You can't. Anymore. You can't watch like, interviews with anyone like before no, about ten years so, ago because yeah. it's like, well, you know, I, I you got, know, well, I yeah. went to the BBC <laughs> and I said I might like to try my yeah, hand at directing, so and they gave true. me twelve episodes. Yeah, so, you know, like you just walk and into the BBC and yeah, yeah. chat with it's the receptionist. It's so frustrating. Yeah, like, where is the, in the? You know, doctors yeah. used to be one for everyone. It's not yeah. not anymore. And you know, there's no where do you? You have to put your own money and you have to go and you do and it's it's just how it is i guess now right i mean i personally i find that like when i when i spend too much of my attention focusing on like how 
screwed up the system is it just like bums me out yeah. and, I, and it zaps my creative energy and I don't make yeah. stuff and so I just suffer the consequence of that whereas like when I go okay system's fucked needs to be changed you know but also only so much is within my power then I start going all right we're in a living room right now there's three of us in this living room <laughs> we got a phone in our pocket like what can we make you know like yeah, yeah. that's an energy that yeah. you know for me bypasses the gloom that can come from looking at the like totality of how yeah, you know totally. a dozen years of austerity have you know whatever <laughs> and the collapse of the dvd market on the independent film yeah, financing yeah. models and blah 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 like if you look at that then you then you just give up so you have yeah, to it yeah. seems so far off yeah and so i'm like just a guy like... i can't you know like <laughs> fix the whole of everything but yeah. what i can do is plan a little bank heist where yeah, you know yeah. we're not trying to steal money we're trying to steal footage mm. from this location and take it away to edit it our mate yeah. um aj is a comedian and he makes he makes these great short films he, make, he makes them like 200 pounds right yeah because he's like i'm just gonna take it into my own hands i'm gonna write this thing that i can does make every 200 pounds it does everything yeah yeah and yeah, he's yeah. like this is my and no one's gonna take that away from me and you know i mean the first like 12 13 years of my filmmaking life were spent making 200 pound short yeah. films you yeah know? so yeah. it's a it's hundred percent like yeah, you know, why you not? can't just end up waiting if you're applying for X fund, which will not be mentioned. Yeah. You're going to wait for a year, you know. And, I've basically given up applying known. for the funds. They yeah. just, you know, it, is it's... that the same with like schemes and things like that? Yeah, I don't apply for them anymore. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, I, I've, I think I applied for two last year, got rejected from both of them, mm. and it's just like that took a lot of time putting yeah, together that application, totally, yeah. you know. And yeah. I could have spent that time writing a new thing, or you know, whatever. Yeah. Or just not bumming myself out. Yeah, I'm never that impressed like, by what gets made as well. Yeah. Ones. Anyway, anyway. Listen, <laughs> let's focus on what yeah, we yeah, love. Sorry, and sorry. <laughs> I'm taking I, this off on a really weird tangent. Well, then. the thing is, like the, the the gravitational pull of any conversation about the industry is doom and gloom. Ultimately. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I just yeah. try and resist it because I'm like, yeah. It's true, yeah, you know. Yeah, we yeah, we can yeah. skip to the end of that chat and go, shit. You know, basically, shit. It's shit. But so, like, what what can we do? You know, like, yeah. I mean, yeah. It's like <clears throat> you're saying. So, what is in the power? What is in my power is to make these short films and hopefully can develop my craft, get better and better. Exactly. And then it's the is your thinking. I mean, you think you did speak about this on another podcast, but is the idea that oh sooner down the line maybe someone will see this and give me an opportunity which yeah. you, you've essentially had with the orgy now if, if you know things Absolutely. are moving along that way Absolutely. is that how you see it yeah yeah totally well the reality is like i can gather together enough resources to make a short film that is 12 minutes long or whatever 13 mm. minutes long i can't gather together currently the resources to make a feature film but we made these three short films with amit shah they add up in total to about 45 minutes we did a screening of them uh, in April last year, you know, back to back on the big screen. And for 45 minutes, an audience sits there and has the feeling of this is what it would be like if these guys made a feature yeah, film. Yeah, that's sick, actually. You know, and it felt impactful. Yeah, totally. And, you know, this broadcaster who's come on board the Orgy series, they were at that screening. And we went mm. in the next day and pitched it formally to them. No. And we got, you know, like, it got taken on board that's for so development inspiring. of the broadcaster. yeah. yeah. So that's like, I'm not going to say, oh, like it's, it's always going to happen like that. And obviously, I mean, I'm coming up on 20 years of making short films. So, you know, it's, it's yeah. not everything that you make with your phone in your pocket and whatever is going to have that immediate tangible conversion result. But as you say, the things that you make where you develop your craft, 
you realize like i made a short film in uh 2016 or 17 it's called the pool cleaner it's three minutes long it's with my friend ralph starring in it we literally shot it on phones and we did the sound with other phones like just having the voice memo recorder like yeah. close enough to the actor's mouths or whatever in that short film there's a shot where he he's like sweeping up some stuff he's like playing a pool cleaner and he sees this girl who he fancies coming down the steps and we do a close-up on his face we cut to her we cl- cut back to him and the camera pushes in ever so slightly and the whole audience is invested in the love story now if you look at the orgy which we shot a year later I do exactly the same thing, except, you know, there's you a, it, I guess it yeah, works I, I, on that. I'm just going, that works. We'll do that again. Yeah. You know, yeah, and yeah. in figures, uh, Amy Green's character walks into the shop and they have a little interaction. Then she walks off and we do exactly <laughs> the same thing again, <laughs> you know, but yeah, I, I guess it, it, it all adds up, right? Everything yeah. I'm just collecting tricks, just, you know, yeah, like yeah, in, in, in big ears, we do this shot where it's a uh, low angle on Amit we isolate him in the frame and um, he's kind of lost in his own thoughts. And then Amy's character says, it's 11, 11, you've got to make a wish. And he looks up and it kind of snaps him out of the mm, funk yeah, that he's yeah. in. And so me and Ali, the DP who shot that, we call that our 11, 11 shot. We mm. did an 11, 11 shot in Tall, Dark and Handsome. And when we're on set, we're going, should we do an 11, 11? Mm. You know? And so you're developing this bag of tricks that then you're going, yeah. right, we know we've got tangible evidence that that worked on the last one. Mm. So it would probably work in this similar moment now. So, you know, it's not like you want to repeat yourself endlessly, but you're going, if it worked, you know. Yeah, let's go again. Let's do it again. You know, and let's see what else we can get to with it. Like, you know, like in the pool cleaner, we're investing the audience in a very simple love story. It's it's a, you know, a very silly kind of frivolous little absurd short film, three minutes long. In the orgy, we're investing them in a slightly more, you know, richer love story or whatever that takes place over this 14 minute short film tall dark and handsome we're investing them in a love story that's actually really quite complicated and going into some very thorny questions around identity and Mm. you know why we choose the people we do and so on so you're not using that trick in the same way every time but you are going i want the audience on side with this i want the audience to be rooting for these people and to give a shit about why they should be together so let's give them the experience of investing in it you know yeah i think i I think that's i love short films so much or making them so much because you get to test things and you go oh i liked that i didn't like this i'm not gonna do that again but this worked there let's try that again and you're kind of developing your like visual style how you tell stories and also trying to get people invested in like tall dark and handsome trying to get people invested in a love story yeah in 10 minutes is so hard absolutely and it's like, i think it's harder than they like than a feature because a feature got a longer time to 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 get people invested in it right? absolutely you've got to be efficient you know yeah. so if you've got if, if it worked in the pool cleaner you better believe i'm doing it again yeah, you know yeah. i need people on board this train otherwise we can't get the story started <laughs> you know yeah. it's like um you know in your guys short films there's a common element of these dancing moments yeah. you know oh, like right. in the last drop the dancing yeah, with the father yeah. and in um, what's the out of time, out of, out of time yeah. the dance at the end and even with the hitchhikers there's this like <laughs> yeah, little, you know yeah, yeah, music yeah, yeah. by the side of the road dancing as connection like yeah, yeah. these are common threads that like when I watch those three films back to back I'm going alright I'm seeing something here you know yeah, this is this is this is clearly a, like an extrusion of something about your like nature as people you well know. we do both go to salsa every <laughs> wednesday i didn't want to assume but, you know those hips don't lie and tell. sam we're tell. now in the improvers class improvers well, one improvers one, one yeah. yes very very um, i knew i respected yeah. you i didn't know why <laughs> at that moment <laughs> 
You haven't seen his dog. Just something about the way you shimmied into the room. Clicked your heels. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. well, we'll start doing this now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) My mate Alex is, he's like, man, I think with your next short film, let's maybe avoid the dancing. So, what are you going to do without dancing? I was like, yeah, no, I think it's fair enough. (laughs) I had the opposite reaction. I've actually got a short film that I want to do with Mark Weinman, who's in Vigors, and it finishes with a a dance. dance. And I I literally, I I watched uh, Out of Time first, and I was, I watched it, and I was like, maybe I'm the wrong director. Maybe, maybe, maybe Will should direct this short film. Well, I, I kind of wish, anyway, we'll go off a tangent there, yeah. but I kind of wish I choreographed that a lot better. Oh no, it's great. Would... It's great. Because he's, he's like, you've earned his emotional, like, choice yeah. in that moment. But he's also, he's so sort of like, on the edge of discomfort, but also like committing to this. Yeah. It's really endearing. And that means that, like, you also see what she gave him in the relationship yeah, and how she yeah. helped him to, like, get into his yeah, body. Yeah, and yeah. To, that was a way that they connected. Mm. And so then, and then the way that they dance together kind of has an evolution to it. I think if it's too yeah. choreographed. Maybe it's too much. Yeah, well, it, it just feels at that point like, yeah, like it's sort of serving the polish of the film rather than yeah. being alive in the character, you know, in the moment, in the moment yeah. of the characters. But I'd say that's the, again, if you, if you go back to, like, working with actors, yeah, they gave me loads of that, basically. Totally. Yeah. And I was like, no, I was so resistant to that. He came up with loads of those ideas that are great that are in it. And I was like, nah. And we had a big argument in the rehearsal thing. And then we then Chelsea was like, she's like, should we go get some beers? And we went and got beers. And then I was like, I think you're right. Damn it. Brilliant. Brilliant. <laughs> but actors, we did something recently. And I had, you know, I was really, I wanted them to be at this thing. I wanted them to be there. And I had it worked out. And Yain just was in it. And he was like, I just don't believe. It's exactly what you said with Amit. And he was like... I don't believe it, man. I just don't believe yeah. it. This is what I would do. And I was like, fuck's sake. <laughs> but it's and right. And he did it and it was so much better. Yeah. And I hated it with so much better because we're like, you know, very good friends. And I was like, no, he's just, he's so right. He's well, so right. I, I heard uh, Ethan Hawke talking yes. the other day. Do you see this? About Dude, we've got the same like Instagram We're feed. on the same we algorithm. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the one um, where he's talking about directing. Yeah, like, yeah actors, yeah, yeah, actors yeah, directing yeah. and yes. going all the way back yeah, yeah. to Orson Welles and, yes. you know, like Sydney Pollack. Yeah, and Rob Redford. Yeah, exactly. Clint Eastwood. It's like, you know, actors have the instincts that come from inside the character yeah so just 100%. because they might not have gone to film school and studied the lenses or whatever doesn't mean that they're not extremely qualified yeah. to tell a story about people you 100%. know 100% so yeah I, th- I was thinking about that when I watched uh, what's the the next one is your short right. film yeah, yeah, you yeah. know it's these two characters by the side of the road and it's these really like tender little moments between them that escalate the connection that forms and I was, I was watching it thinking this is really a short film that's been made by an actor because you oh, can see oh, yeah. like it's yeah. it's it's these truthful little moments of connection that like blossom and and you know yeah. tension as well between them and sort of them fighting the the developing connection and you know if if you're just like a filmmaker coming from a sort of like pure filmmaker's perspective you might go okay well yeah. you know like do we need something more plotty and this kind of thing but there's a mm. trust involved in just going no actually he can roll the can to her and she can roll the can back and he can roll the can back again. Yeah. And that is an exchange of power. It's an invitation for connection that's rejected, yeah. but it's also an act of vulnerability. And like, there's a trust in knowing that those human relational dynamics are interesting to an audience of human beings, yeah. you know? Mm. Mm. I think because yeah. you, you've acted as well in yes. front of the camera. I forced myself to do it as well because you, and, and you obviously come from acting. It's like, it's, it's how do you like when you're being directed and you're being told to do this and that and it doesn't feel right you can do it and it's gonna look yeah. terrible but to actually have that empathy and go right okay like yeah. talk to did them did you like, find you that really did. useful for you like oh, yeah. transformative yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 I mean 
you know, I acted in stuff when I was really young, like just because I didn't know any actors, so I had to just act as well as doing, <laughs> as well as doing everything else. But I hadn't acted uh, where I was directed by anyone else, by another person, until 2020 when we did Fragile Package, and that was directed yeah. by Chloe Wicks. Which I really enjoyed as well. Yeah, I, I really love that film, and I've done a, a few others since then. I've, I've done one... Um, recently with Louis Paxton it's called Tippy Toes that's coming out soon and that you're in yeah Amazing. I played a lead role and oh, cool. uh, I'm really happy with it it's it's <laughs> nice. really good uh, if I do say so myself <laughs> but like you know what was it was it's interesting like yeah seeing how different directors work and such different mm. things I mean you know Louis on Tippy Toes like before a take he'd be like get down and give me 20 press-ups and I'd be like what <laughs> you know I need like 20 press-ups now and almost like sort of like you know and, and I'd do it and it would kind of get my like blood pumping, yeah, and yeah. then we go right into the take, and it has this energy to it, and I'm like, yeah, really damn, I'm yeah. I'm stealing that, you know, yeah, that's that's yeah, good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so every every director I've worked with uh, as an actor, I'm I've stolen stuff from. You're going like, that's mm. that's clever. I'm having that, mm. you know. Yeah, and yeah. then as you say, just realizing the vulnerability that an actor, you know, is actually sort of putting themselves through. Looking at you, know, everyone's. Yeah, yeah. I mean. For some reason, in most of the short films I've acted in, I've ended up at least taking my shirt off. Is <laughs> <laughs> that a stipulation? It's, it's in my contract. Like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, no, but like, but whether it's taking your shirt off or whether it's doing that metaphorically, you are yeah, exposing yeah. yourself, and you have to feel safe. You have to, you know, mm, like, mm. like, yeah. If you, if you feel there's time pressure or you know whatever, like the best directors are protecting you from those things so that yeah. you can just be immersed in what you need to do. And yeah, I think like I, I, the, the direction I really valued the most was stuff like, you know, saying, you know, okay, on this next take, like really try and reach them or like really try and hurt them or really mm. like just these, these playable actions. Mm, yeah, you know, I think that's yeah. what Judith Weston calls yeah, them. It's action like verbs, yeah. action verbs. Yeah. 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 It's like, convince good, them book, or, or uh, like hide from them you know yeah, like yeah. these 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 kind of yeah these verbs that you can really like put into practice so you yeah, know it's a playable action yeah because yeah, the stuff that confuses me is when it's like okay i think in this scene you know you're really thinking about this and it's like i i am not thinking about that now i'm thinking about you telling me that i'm thinking about that you know yeah, um yeah. not that i've particularly experienced yeah. that too much but yeah. like sometimes and i've you know, we've all done this when you're directing and sometimes in the heat of the moment you just you say the wrong thing to yeah. an actor and you see in the next take oh god <laughs> like i i ruined it and it was my fault yeah. you know and then you go up to them and you're like forget what i said before but they can't forget it <laughs> yeah, you, you know yeah, you've already told you've them. already yeah. told them yeah, yeah, sometimes yeah, yeah, yeah. you just yeah have to have the courage not to say anything yeah 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 like, do you know yeah, what that's i wish i, wish I could oh, do that yeah. more but that's like, so mm, true so sometimes no. the best thing you can do is go like We'll just do one more time, just like, you know, we just didn't quite get it for yeah, camera reasons us. or whatever. Yeah, 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 just for us, I think we'll yeah. just go once more and you just go, and, and the actor knows. I'm you know, they, they feel why. it. Yeah, 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 yeah. exactly. This is, so this is one that, that Yai and I have been talking about loads. Mm. Um, oh, yeah. Is, uh, I don't know, I was looking at like Gus Van Sant and making his, how he made his first feature and all that, and you know, he's like $20,000 or whatever. And, mm look at the Duplass brothers. I know you can't really necessarily use those uh, those examples anymore. But what do you think about that making, just going out and making a feature for mm. the price of a short film, like 10 grand or something? And, you know, it still has to be epic and really, really good. But, like, do yeah. you think it's a is that a valid... It's totally valid. Like a, There's yeah. a high chance that I will do that in the next, like, yeah. one to three years. Really? Uh, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm writing one at the moment uh, that is a micro-budget feature. It's not 10 mm. grand, but it's, like... You know, it's, it's, um, it's, it's, uh, Low I'm, I'm not going to say what it is because, uh, 
I think it's a juicy idea, and I don't want to steal <laughs> it. But, but it, it is. Um, it's 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 a bunch of characters in a uh, cabin in the woods, and so it's 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 very easy to do. Mm. And yeah, you know, to do a ten grand feature, I did. I'm just plucking out. Yeah, no, to be honest, but no. Yeah. I mean, you can. I, I I did also have an idea of doing a road trip movie with Emmett and Mark Weinman after we did Big Ears, and I, I had an idea for it. And you know, you can literally just drive the length of the country, and you know, you have a, a crew of like no one. You know, yeah. you, you just you just do it so skeleton, and and you probably could do something like that. If not for ten grand, then for twenty grand or something. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I you know I I have these ideas sometimes. I mean, the funny thing is like you know at the moment I'm kind of you know in active development on some passion projects that I'm very invested in. So that's taking my focus. But I would like to. I would definitely like mm. to. You know, I've made so many short films, and it does feel like just if I can take that model and apply it to something that's 90 minutes long it should be possible yeah yeah absolutely. yeah i guess it's then because i started trying to write one is that the dialogues obviously I, it's got to be so everything's got to be fucking good to do a feature yeah i, I to, yeah. to make it if it's really really lo-fi you know it's still got to be something that oh catches yeah the attention for nice 60 to 90 minutes or whatever it is i mean i just i just it, think you know feature films are hard I, i've i've mm. written i think like probably seven or eight feature scripts now wow and um had you know some that turned out quite well um others didn't quite work you know you learn um but even the ones that turned out quite well they're so hard you know mm. like a feature film it's like every every line every moment mm. everything is like one piece in a thousand piece puzzle and it all yeah. has to add up and be kind of you know like make total sense by the end you know I, a lot of the stuff I've been doing more recently are like half hour pilots and I find that to be a really like creatively exciting yeah, space because like, I come from an improv background where you put ideas onto the stage without knowing exactly where they're going to end up. You just trust this is interesting. I'm putting this brick down and yeah. you know somehow we're going to build a great structure out of it, you know? Mm. Um, <clears throat> so with a pilot, I find it really frees me up to just go what's interesting you know mm, whereas yeah. with a feature sometimes you can get so hung up on trying to make everything add up yeah but then if it's too resolved it can feel a little like simplistic mm. or cheesy or whatever so it's like yeah. how do you protect that tone of asking interesting questions and not necessarily giving the audience everything but also keep people engaged over that length of time and also you know have everything feel ultimately like nothing was missing by the end or like it was you know well judged so it's a it's a really interesting process i i mean i'm writing i'm working on three feature scripts at the moment wow. um and they're each, they each have their own challenges but yeah two of them are very much not micro budget one of mm. them is um and then if you were to like have made it what would your next steps be once you had that after feature. a feature yeah what would you be doing with it i don't know <laughs> <laughs> i'm just curious about like no, I how mean, you would be putting it out there what you would be doing well what's been interesting has been learning with the short films like my philosophy with the short films was always just like on to the next one on to the next one you know mm. and doing this trilogy with Amit, i've really come to appreciate the value of like 
marketing it properly branding it like mm. you know we keep referring to it as a trilogy so that it like has the significance of something greater than just individual short films like it makes people pay attention in a different way i've started working with a poster designer now alex connock who's amazing who like helps us kind of you know present the film in the like public facing imagery mm -hmm. that kind of it's branding basically you know mm -hmm. and that's not my world i don't you know that's not there's never been my interest but I'm a person who's walked into film lobbies, many cinema lobbies many times and seen posters. I have tastes, you know, so oh, I can yeah, go, yeah. I can look at posters as we're doing drafts of the designs and going, that looks a bit cheesy, that looks a bit whatever, you know, until you go, okay, I think that really captures it or whatever. And so, yeah, I guess if I made a micro-budget feature, I would probably spend the same amount of time and money again and effort again putting it out into the world and making yeah. sure that it counts you know because it's yeah. so easy now for things to disappear i mean this goes back to also you know why make a, a short film like the orgy when it's a slightly you know scary subject matter to touch mm. or whatever well the flip side was people pay attention when you make a short film yeah. about an orgy yeah. you know and oh, the first draft of the script when we we're sending it out to actors agents we gave it a different title because we were like oh the, the agents aren't going to want to pass on to their huh. clients a film <laughs> yeah. called the orgy yeah. and you know people weren't really like even letting us in the door and then we were like should we just be bold you know yeah change the title to the orgy immediately like wow. people are paying attention you mm. know and and people love saying like you know oh i'll see you at the orgy or you know like yeah, oh we're yeah. doing the orgy this weekend or like <laughs> it's just a fun like you know how, like how did i meet amit oh we met at the orgy like yeah, you know, it, it's yeah. like it's just a sort of it's it's a thing that like gets people to pay attention basically mm. i mean you know it's so easy when you're having a conversation like this to start sounding like some sort of wall street banker or whatever like you know what's the cut through value and you yeah, know we yeah. need something that's noisy or whatever yeah. but like ultimately it's true we're all people who have too many things to watch and what are we going to watch well we're going to watch the thing that's really most grabbed mm. our attention but it also seems like Scrolling it's in our through. taste you know parameters yeah. So, yeah, I think if I made a micro-budget feature, which I, I hope I will do, um, or some kind of feature, whatever level it's at, um, yeah, I, I would really try and take the time to put it out in the world and help it find its audience. And that's mm. been the other nice thing doing this trilogy has been like going, I think we've cultivated a bit of an audience. I think people who yeah, liked the orgy yeah. came back and watched Big Ears and now Tall, Dark and Handsome is coming out you know, people have enjoyed it at festivals and I think it's going to find a wider audience through Short of the Week and other things. It's like, you know, it's, it's, there are now people who are paying attention mm -hmm. and also paying attention in production companies and broadcasters and things. Mm -hmm. And so I'm, what I'm, it goes back to that thing of protecting that little kernel of, you know, specificity that's, that's your you, voice yeah. as a filmmaker and yeah. you, your, yeah, that's you because you're going, okay, if I can just nurture that and like make sure that that ends up on screen and if that's specific enough and feels vulnerable and, you know, connected enough that people you know, resonate with it and recognize themselves in it, then each one of those people becomes part of our audience. And when that audience becomes big enough, surely at some point, someone, someone behind some, you know, gatekeeper chair you know, position is, is going to go, I think we can make some money off these people. Yeah. You know? like, I guess what you want, right, is, is and I, I'm talking like, I think all of us do is, is 
what's a Sam Barron film? Yeah. And you want people to go, oh, Sam Barron uh, made this. Let's go. We want to see. It's like fucking Wes Anderson or something. Right. It? It's like, oh, Wes Anderson. Uh, you know, Sam Barron made that. Yeah, it's going to be. Absolutely. You know. Well, you know, it's funny. When I was like in my 20s and what I really wanted to do was just get hired to direct anything. Mm. And so I was almost like scared to put too much of my stamp on things. Because I was like, well, if I do that, I'm not going to get yeah. the Kellogg's commercial. Or whatever, <laughs> you know, but I've just sort of, I, I, I just think ultimately you can't hide from who you really are as a filmmaker. Yeah. And like, you know, it's interesting. You've done this sheer butter commercial, <laughs> which is arguably the greatest thing you've made. It's yeah, brilliant. It <laughs> it's, it's got so much of you in it. It's so funny, so clever yeah. and simple. And, you know, it's got great visual style and flair to it yeah. and whatever, but it's, it's you, you've dared to make a choice and you're going, if you want to hire me to direct commercials, yeah. they're going to be like this, motherfuckers, yeah. you know? Yeah. And and what that actually creates is, that's appealing from the other side, you know? Mm. But if you're a, you know, younger person or, you know, not quite as established and, and you're wanting the, the sort of the quick conversion into getting hired to do that job, it's easy to like, you know, rub your fingerprints off the thing and in doing so probably lose out on the job yeah. because also no one knows lose, who you are. Yeah, and th I think you lose... That, like the love of it as well if 100%. you're getting I've been hired on directing jobs that I've hated yeah and then gone well, I don't want to do this anymore and it's like oh no I don't I just don't want to do that yes well I've had that yeah. as, a, as a writer for hire and you mm. know there's no feeling I was going to say there's no feeling worse there are many feelings worse but <laughs> you know in this specific vein of this conversation it's not a good feeling when yeah. you get rejected for the thing that you were doing <laughs> to try to please them so yeah. you know the high likelihood yeah. is you're going to get rejected anyway so you yeah. might as well try and please yourself you know yeah. but yeah exactly but, and like you say you'll get hired because it'll be like oh it's Sam Barron we need it because we need him we want that right for this whatever the fuck it is we want that we want what you can give rather than oh yeah you can do it because it'll look the same as so and so exactly and I yeah. can't define necessarily what a Sam Barron film is that's what my I can... next question well, <laughs> I mean I've, I've I've tried to think about it but ultimately okay. what I can do is I can I can just every time we're setting up a shot or every time I'm choosing which project to actually make or whatever just go do I like it yeah. do I yeah. think this is a I bit mean, shit yeah. you know mm. yeah from the outside looking in it, it does seem like I mean you speak about how you make tragic comedies yes that That's was a key do. word for me when tragic i realized comedies. i make tragic comedies yeah that was big i mean these three films they feel like really cohesive even just the tone of them they mm. do feel so, like so. you know just that i think you know that to me is like a sam baron film i think so me. too that that word became like a touchstone for me because you know people used to say when i would make stuff when i was younger like oh you make quite quirky comedies and i was always like ah oh, it sounds a little like you know, maybe sort of affected or like it's trying too hard or something or, yeah. you know, and yeah. if I would say, well, it's a comedy and then, you know, like when we, like the orgy is a comedic premise, mm. but we shoot it like it's a drama, you know, we shoot it like it's a tragedy. If we tried to make it and we shot it like a comedy, it probably wouldn't be very funny because... Yeah everyone would be like the lighting would be all bright and poppy and everyone will be over egging the performances and whatever. And it's like, you know, th there are short films that exist about sex parties that are comedy comedies. And I flagged some of them to the cast and crew when we were making the film. And I was like, everyone watch this. We're not doing that. You know, yeah. it was really important to me that we didn't do that. So that word tragedy comedy. Yeah. For me, that's a shorthand. That means like everyone, you know, I think can understand it's a blending of tragedy and comedy and you know it gives me permission to go this is a valid 
like vein to be creating within there's an established mm. you know history of tragic comedy there are filmmakers i can use as touchstones there's you know, new ground to be trodden within this sort of mm. you know direction and then you know that's what it is yeah we're making a tragic comedy you know yeah. we're not making mm. a action movie <laughs> so do you think do you think you found your voice as a filmmaker through making the trilogy so yeah i do i do um yeah because yeah i mean you know the reality is when i had the idea for the orgy initially i was like well i can't can't make this because you know <laughs> this is this is naughty i'm not you know <laughs> if i make this i'll be kicked out of the film industry you yeah know? yeah but then because it was so personal and kind of vulnerable and whatever everyone related to it and connected to it and you know embraced that so i was like okay permission granted how can we like expand the edges of this permission field mm. you know all right well my mum died of cancer i've been wanting to do something about cancer Let's make, you know, big ears. Also about the feeling of like failure and your life's falling apart, yeah. depression. You know, these these are not the subject matters that you should make a comedy about. But mm. that keyword tragedy comedy. Okay. Mm. So if it's if we if we pretend we're making a tragedy, but then I get to also express my humour within that, and the reality is, you know, when you're going through uh you know, supporting someone with cancer or um, you know, whatever, like the, the worst moments of failure and rejection and self-loathing and all these things, humor persists, you mm. know? So that, you know, I, like, I, I don't think it's accurate to life to present tragedy without, you know, the other shades. I mean, Six Feet Under was a massive touchstone for me in terms of the, mm. the, the inspiring me when I was young. And that's a, a show about grief, but that's really funny and really quite absurd and surreal sometimes. So, you know, when we're making big ears, I'm looking at things like that going, we can make jokes and we can use comedic techniques. And if we do it with a straight face, and also if we're not doing it in terms of cheap laughs or punching down or, you know, shock value or whatever, but we're actually doing it from a place that feels real and where we're, in, we're personally putting ourselves into this, then we can get away with making some, some jokes as well as, yeah. you know... So then, yeah, and Tall, Dark and Handsome, it's, it's a, such a personal film, you know, in, in ways that m people probably won't ever understand how personal that film is, you know, for me and, mm. and for Emmett as well. And, yeah, you just, you, the, the permission field expands each time you do something like that and you get away with it and you're not kicked yeah. out of the film industry. And, in fact, people say nice things good, about yeah, it yeah, or they write yeah, to you and yeah, say yeah. I related to it or whatever and you go all right you know yeah, yeah and if i do get kicked out of the film industry i can just go live in the mountains yeah, fuck yeah. <laughs> sounds better than the film industry yeah <laughs> no seeing yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, we had um uh, a guy george uh greg sorry on uh the last episode and he made this amazing film it's very very personal uh and he's in it and everything and it's just like wow you fucking put that on the screen i just like there's so much respect there like so much respect when people do that, and that successfully place, doing like, it as well yeah you know, like you know it just feels yeah like i mean in your example as well with say something like the orgy like the risks feel higher because yeah, if totally. it goes wrong and you've yeah you've, you've gone you've swung for the hilltops on that one yeah but you know when you pull it off like but I think that's, you know, the risks are higher, but it's just like, ultimately, if you're, if the thing that you're risking is people judging the most vulnerable parts of you, hmm. I think the gambles tend to pay off. 
if the thing you're risking yeah, is like, you know, everyone, wanting everyone to think you're really clever or like, right, you know, right. whatever, that's a risk that can turn an audience off. I but see. I, th- but yeah. I think, you know, if you're if you're putting some like your own, you know, emotional skin in the game, mm, yeah. people tend to relate to it. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Can your last so question? Thought, yeah, final question. You go for it. Okay, Sam Barron. We haven't actually <laughs> uh, prepared you for this one. Uh, what is your favorite short film? Oh, or or a short film that's uh, impacted you hugely. Um, let me think about this for a second. My favorite. Yeah, we short usually film. we usually prepare the guest, but um, yeah, I forgot. Like, I forgot to leave. I forgot to put it on you. Um, <laughs> I forgot to say. I mean. It's hard to pick one, but like I'd say the short film that probably impacted me more than any other was um, Wasp by Andrea oh, Arnold. Yeah, it's a good one. Yeah. yeah, and it's like you know it's twenty minutes long and it's so sort of lo-fi and small scale and you know intimate to that family dynamic. Mm-hmm. So, you know, single mother with a few kids and you know there's the love story with Danny Dyer. It invests you in the love story so quickly. Mm, yeah. The tension is knife edge with the cutting between the inside of the pub and the outside of the pub. When she's getting and a pint of the bar, oh my God. Yeah, yeah, it's just like, you know, in terms of respecting the audience's time and going, yeah, it's 20 minutes long, but like, you're going to be on the edge of your seat. Yeah. And we're not going to use like cheap tricks to do that. We're going to actually like make sure that you care about these characters and this family and that it feels real and that you're like grounded it's like we're alive in the moments and so on and then the, you you understand why she really needs this like emotional connection that's on offer from Danny Dyer mm. that she's going to make this character revealing choice of putting her kids in jeopardy actually yeah because you've also shown the audience how much she's doing for them and how much she cares and ultimately we can relate to her as a flawed real person who's just you know doing the best with what she has on an extremely difficult day yeah. you know and so it's not a particularly funny film although there is humor in it but i think about it all the time in terms of tension coming from like emotion and coming from um lo-fi stakes you know and Yes, the children's safety is hanging in the balance, so that's not the lowest fire stakes mm. imaginable. But like, you know, you can have a two hundred dollar Marvel, two hundred million dollar Marvel movie that wishes yeah, the audience totally. gave such a shit about the stakes as they mm. do in Wasp. You know, so I'm always with any film I'm making, thinking, where's the tension? You know, mm. how have I got the audience on the hook? And that film, I think probably more than any other taught me how to do that. Yeah. Mm. I, I, I think it's a fucking phenomenal film. Yeah. I, but even just her, you know, we know she doesn't have the money to buy him around and it's such a nonchalant comment. It's just a whatever comment. Oh, you can you get the first one? I'm just finishing this. Point. And you know, there are the kids outside. She oh has three yeah. pounds left or whatever it is. And, yeah. she, and and the pint costs seven or whatever. I mean, talk and about making small things yeah. have the resonance of a giant earthquake, it's you know. Yeah. It's like, that's... It's incredible. Yeah, yeah. it is truly yeah. incredible. All of her films are. <laughs> just yeah, absolutely. 
So yeah, so I haven't I haven't actually seen it for probably ten years or something. Mm. But you know, I watched it a few times in a row when I first saw it and just kind of broke it down and studied it and was like, okay, mm. what, what, the effect this had on me was undeniable. Mm. So I need to understand watch, how yeah. it was doing it. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, that concludes the episode, Sam. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you so much, Sam. Uh, you're very welcome. <laughs> it's been really fun. <laughs> That's That's fun. fun.